Well, in October 2011, my wife Sarah and I were living in East Tennessee, and our oldest son, Miles, who's now eight, uh, he had just been born. He was like three weeks old. And the place where we lived, we really liked it. It was in the Smoky Mountains. It was in Sevier County, just kind of north of Sevierville, Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg. And we lived on this curvy mountain road, and we lived in a basement apartment. It was a decent apartment for a young family. And above us, there were two other apartments. And because of how this building had been constructed, our plumbing for our basement apartment was tied in with the plumbing upstairs. And in this particular apartment, there was a family with some young kids, and these kids did not like to finish their dinner, from what I could tell, like ever, because everything got dumped in the toilet and flushed. It was horrible. Like, I mean, wrappers, all. I don't think there was silverware, but I wouldn't count them out. And so this caused a little bit of an issue, and that is that the plumbing would start to get jammed up, and we would start to see sewage back into our bathtub and into the toilet. So I called the landlord, good old country boy, you know, Appalachian speak, likable dude. And he said, oh, I got, I got you covered, Mike. And he showed up with a gallon of liquid fire. He said, I'm going to dump this and it'll fix the problem. He dumped the liquid fire and he went on his way. And our plumbing was fine for 48 hours, something like that. Then he had to come back. This process continued. At times, he would even come bearing two gallons of liquid fire to the point after about five gallons, he said, well, we're going to have to look at something different. I'm going to have the system pumped out. And I said, well, can't we call like Roto-Rooter or something and have them go in? Because wouldn't it make sense if there's a blockage? He said, nah, nah, I think we'll be fine. So he flushed it out. And again, we were okay for 48 to 72 hours until one afternoon, I hear my wife screaming from the bathroom, Mike, Mike, come quick. And I went in and coming up out of our toilet was lots of unchewed Cheetos, wrappers from Hershey's Kisses. Our bathtub had stuff that people put into toilets, backing up into it. It was horrible. And we're just looking, and uh, I told Sarah to grab Miles, so she goes to get him, little three-week-old dude. He doesn't know what's going on. And I start taking every towel that we own and just making this levy so that if it starts really spilling out on the floor, it can't get over into the rest of the house without fully flooding. And I called the landlord, and the next thing you know, we got put up in, fortunately, a nice hotel for the next three days while they had our apartment professionally cleaned and disinfected. And they did call Roto-Rooter and went to the source of the issue. And unfortunately, the family was asked to move out of the apartment. But either way, the source of the problem was gone, and we didn't have any more issues after that. There were no more symptoms because the problem had been addressed. And, you know, that's a pretty basic principle in life that, you know, you have symptoms of a problem and you don't address the source of it, they're going to come back at you. It's not just true with plumbing. It's true pretty much everywhere for everyone at all times. When problems arrive, you have to look past the symptoms. You've got to look underneath the hood. And today in James, we're in part two of this slip of the tongue series that Pastor Brad kicked off last week. And we're talking about how does this principle apply to our tongues and the words that we speak? Because all of us are faced with the fact that the words that we speak, it shapes reality, how people understand us and situations, it impacts relationships. And so at the end of the day, most of us get down to the point where we get home and we're looking back, we're thinking, huh, how did I do with my words? And the truth is a lot of us would love to have some of those back. We'd love to have a redo because we look at the results of it 
And if we're really honest with ourselves, those are just the symptoms. The problem is much bigger and it's much deeper. And we need to look below the surface and come to Jesus' feet and say, hey, Jesus, can you take a look at the condition of my heart? and Can you do something about that? I want you to do that. And that's what we're going to see is if you boil it all down to one idea, just a few words, it's this. An untamed tongue, it's a heart problem. It's not a word problem. It's a heart problem. And so we get to reflect on just how untamed our tongues are and what it is that we're supposed to do about that. So as we get ready to do that, you can open up your Bible to James chapter 3, starting in verse 2. If you want to use your hard copy Bible, great. But if you're on a tablet or you're on a phone, you can go to this new little website that we just launched a couple weeks ago. It's called InsideSCC.org. And on this site, there's a lot of different options for how you can respond and engage here at our church and worship. And one of those is take sermon notes. And if you click that, there's actually a spot. You see the scriptures all listed out. You can take your notes and have those saved. Uh, It's really cool. So you might want to check that out today. In most of James, I love this because we have this picture of James. uh, When he wrote this, he would have been like a wise old sage. He would be old for that day. He was probably in his 60s, something like that. Uh, had lived kind of a hard life, likely. He grew up as Jesus' half-brother, and he was aware of who Jesus was, didn't really make the connection until after Jesus rose from the dead that, oh, he's not just my half-brother. He's like the Lord and Savior of the world. He's God himself in a bod. This is insane. So he was aware of Jesus' teaching. He was aware of the Old Testament, especially Proverbs. So this style that he brings when he writes this letter we're reading to the early church It's just lots of little short wisdom speeches. They're very to the point. They use lots of metaphors that paint pictures. They're kind of punchy, like one-liner-ish to get our attention. And he, throughout the, the letter, gives 12 of these teachings. And he's just talking about what does it mean to be wholeheartedly devoted to Jesus? What should that look like? How do you get there and deal not just with the symptoms, but the source of the problem? And so we're going to be taking a look at a couple of those things And what's neat is you can see in how James words this, he's totally thinking back to what Jesus said. And so the words of Jesus that laid the foundation for what James is going to say, we can actually read those words ourselves in uh, Luke chapter 6. And this is verse 45. Let, Let me read this for you before we dive into James. Jesus said, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. See, an untamed tongue, which James is going to talk about, it's a heart problem because anything that flows from our mouth, uh, it actually flows from our heart. And if there's an issue, that's where we have to go to correct that problem. So let's go ahead and check out James's take on this. Starting in verse 2, he says, Indeed, we all make many mistakes. Preach that, brother. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect, and we could also control ourselves in every way. He said James was a Jewish guy. He grew up in a Jewish household. And there were a couple things that they would have assumed when he was growing up. One thing would be that everybody sins and is prone to dishonor God in one way or the other almost every day. And the second thing would have been that the human mouth, the tongue, is one of the primary instruments for sin and harm in the world. Now, we look at that. It wasn't just something the Jews knew. You know, that's not just a Jewish problem they had, and it's not just a Christian problem we have. It is a human problem that we have. 
that everybody's busted, everybody's broken, we all make mistakes, and fortunately there is something that we can do about that. So when we read on to what James says, look what he says next, verse 3. He says, well, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. And in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. So you can check out a little picture here. He's painting this picture, and he gives us these two pictures that are related. There's the bit in the horse's mouth, and there's the rudder steering a ship. James knows small things make a big impact. The bit controls the whole horse. The rudder controls the whole ship, even when there's wind. And for us, our tongues control our whole lives. I was looking up just how many words on average in our culture that we speak, and there's different estimates they've given but one of the ones that's kind of widely accepted is that the average person in the United States speaks 5,000 words per day. And you think about that mode that I mentioned where we get to the end of the day and you're just assessing, man, how did I do with my words today? You know, you start doing the math. It's like, man, I, I might want to have 500 of those back. You know, there's probably 10% of those I could have said better. I communicated things I didn't want to do. And we look back and we see our heart problems showing up in life and how we communicate. Because our tongues control our whole lives, they flow from our hearts. And so James says, yeah, that's how that works. And then he paints another picture and stacks it right on top of this. This is what he says in verse, uh, the second half of verse 5. He says, well, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it's set on fire by hell itself. He's getting at the fact, you know what? Your tongue is something you're either, you're either using it one of two ways. You're either being deconstructive or you're, uh, and destructive, or you're being constructive. <laughs> you're either burning lives down or you're bringing blessing to someone's lives, it's almost always one or the other. So the Australia brush fires, they seem like they happened a long time ago because of this COVID-19 crisis we've been in, but it was actually just last fall that all these fires were raging across Australia. And I was looking at the damage that it caused, and it's staggering to read these numbers, like 27.2 million acres destroyed. There were 33 deaths, and all of creation was affected. It wasn't just human beings. You had animals that were struggling. There were koalas that there was no eucalyptus to eat, which is how they get their water. So people are watering koalas. There were kangaroos that had no vegetation to eat and wallabies as well. And so people are like airdropping vegetables for them to eat because they're stuck on these like mountainous cliffs and places. It's just insane the damage that was done. And it didn't take very much to get those fires going. There were different reported causes depending on what area. Sometimes it was lightning. Sometimes it was a campfire. Sometimes it was arson. But they had been in a massive drought. And so things were super dry and they were super flammable. And it just took a little bit to get it going. And you think about it, when you start to see two people go head to head and butt heads, whether it's a physical conflict or sparring of, with their words, what almost always incites it? It is our words and how something's said. And so it doesn't take much to get it going. And this is especially true when you consider in our country, it is estimated that 70% of people, studies show 70% of people 
hate their jobs, not just dislike their jobs. They despise having to go to work every day. So you think that's not a dry, flammable climate when you go in there and you got people that have heart issues and they start flinging their words around? No, there's going to be sparks. There's going to be fires. There's going to be destruction that results from that. And look at the source of that. Notice he said, well, if it's a fire, if, if the tongue is set on fire by hell, then you can probably bet where the tongue's going to end up with us. We're going to be uh, not honoring God. We're going to be moving towards our enemy. You know, that's the only way that the enemy has to hurt God. He can't hurt God. God is all-powerful. He's omnipotent. There's no other God like him. And so Satan knows, well, the one way I can go after God is I'm going to look at the human beings that he created in his image, and I'm going to cause them pain. And if I can do that to him, that is a win. And so what's the way he does that? Well, he seeks to corrupt our hearts. What's one of the main instruments he uses to cause destruction? Oh, it's our tongues. It's the words that we use. So we need to surrender. We need some heart surgery. Our words are screaming out that something is not right. And James just keeps on. He keeps pushing that pedal down a little more. This is what he said in verse 7. He said, well, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. But no one can tame the tongue. It is, a it is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. The tongue is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. So why don't we just stay in Australia for this example, shall we? Hey, worship team, why don't you guys head on up this way if you want to, to kind of get set for in a minute. So in Australia, there was one guy that was beloved all over the world, and his name was Steve Irwin. Some of us now know his son, Robert, who has kind of taken up uh, his legacy. And Steve died in an attack from a stingray years ago. But before that, he was known as the guy who could do what few of us could. He could go and tame a wild animal that, in many cases, the animal would have just killed us in seconds. But if it was a crocodile, if it was a wallaby, a wombat, a poisonous snake, it just seemed like Steve had this camaraderie. It was like a picture that, you know, creation isn't supposed to be against itself. Maybe Steve was a little picture of what God's kingdom will look like someday. But, you know, James says our tongues are really a lot like those animals Steve was trying to deal with. They're untamable and they're poisonous. So our tongues, it's not just that they're out of control, it's that our tongues and the words they speak can be deadly. And it's almost like a poisonous snake. You think about when a snake bite happens. A lot of times, it's not instantaneous death. But that venom, that poison from that snake, it gets into the bloodstream. And there's the initial pain when it punctures. But as it goes into the blood and it gets pumped around the body, it goes to the heart and it goes to the organs. And that's where the symptoms really start showing up. And there's the fever. And you need to do something soon. You don't have a lot of time. But, you know, that snake might, might happen. And you think, oh, I'll be all right. And then a little, a little later, you're like, oh, my gosh, what is going on? And it can be that way with our words sometimes. We put it out there, we think it's fine, and then we find out, oh gosh, it wasn't. Uh, that happened one time, a, an old college friend that my wife and I saw at a conference, we spoke something sarcastically, and years later get a message from him on Facebook saying that that was just really hurtful, and we didn't intend it, but our words were destructive, and we had to ask forgiveness and repent of that. It, it was kind of an insane scenario, but the words almost function like poison. It was just, it was just crazy. And that was a case where our hearts weren't in a really bad place and it still caused damage. And so as we get ready to go and see if we had this heart problem and an untamed tongue is a heart problem, 
what are we supposed to do about that? And to make sure that we're in a place where we can really receive and hear from God, let's just take a second, and our team's going to lead us in a song of worship to just, just tune our hearts and to help us go to Jesus' feet. So let's sing together, and then we'll kind of see what kind of bow James puts on this. Let's see how James decides to land this plane for us. This is in verse 9. He's wrapping it up. He says about our tongues, well, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. So blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, that's not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. So James, he's saying the idea that a source is going to produce something that it's not, that's insane, it's silly, and it's absurd. And he gives these examples that just aren't grounded in reality, and that's his whole point. He says fresh water is not going to come from a bitter spring. Yeah, you're not going to get figs from a grapevine. You're sure as heck not going to get olives off of a fig tree. You know, so the same goes for our words. Words that build up, they don't come from a heart that is just set on tearing other people down. When I think about springs, so growing up, I would do a lot of walks with my dad and my brother and sister and my cousins along the creek. And sometimes you'd see these little springs that were feeding it. And when I looked at what was at the source of that, it, it was kind of gross looking a lot of times. You had a little pool and the stuff coming up, you'd see all the yellowy film, like orangey, that is, film on top. You know, there's the rust and the phosphorus, probably limestone coming up. I'm just looking, if you said, oh, Mike, it's fine, just go drink that. I would go, no, that's not fresh water. That's not a spring that's looking real fresh. It's bringing other crud up with it. And with a lot of us, our hearts are very, very similar to that. An untamed tongue, it's a heart problem. Now, for James and his Jewish friends, and a lot of the people in the church where he was at in Jerusalem, that was kind of their background. That's what they'd grown up as. Well, see, they understood for a long time, and this has been lost in history probably, but we need to reclaim this. They got the fact that however you treated people, it was almost as if you were, treating, you were treating God that exact same way. So because people are created in God's image, and he created them that way, the idea that you could just curse people but bless God, that didn't fly. And it doesn't fly for us now. It really doesn't. The way we treat people we do that as if we're doing that to God. I love the way that Brad put this the other day. He and I were talking about heading into this. This is just a mini-series, a couple of weeks, you know, but we were talking about what ties it together. And he said, you know, Mike, what's so cool is that every conversation you have is a spiritual conversation. There's no such thing as an unspiritual conversation. And that is so true. We, we don't just have spiritual convos one place and unspiritual ones another. We don't have one type on Sunday and another Monday through Saturday. You know, we don't have one type with some people, one type with another. Wherever your heart is, that's the type of conversation that you're going to have. That's the impact your words are going to make. And if your heart's surrendered to God, then your tongue and the words that you speak have a chance to be surrendered to God as well. But if your heart's not surrendered to God, you better watch out because there's a forest fire that's about to erupt. Now, as we grapple with this and we say, okay, so this is what James said. This is what the Holy Spirit was leading him to write to the church then. 
we're in a similar spot now. We also have untamed tongues because we have hearts that tend to take us far from God at times. So what in the world do we do about this? Remember those words that we read from Jesus that kind of frame the background of everything James is talking about. Let's reread that verse, Luke 6, 45. Jesus said, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. And so here he is, he's been talking about this disconnection that we have. And now he's saying, you know, your heart may be fractured, your heart may be divided in your allegiance, but it doesn't have to stay that way. Here's what you can do about it. He offers us a prescription. You got to jump to chapter four and we're going to go to verse seven. So turn your focus there. Let's read this together. James says, so humble yourselves before God, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Oh, let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Oh, let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord. I love this. And He will lift you up in honor. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He'll lift you up in honor. And so, you're probably in one of a couple of different places today with this, as far as when you look and you see the issues in your own heart, the untamed nature of your tongue, and you're saying, all right, God, where are you at with this? What do I need to do? So some of us, we hear that, and you're going to hear that, and you say, wow, yeah, I need to humble myself. And it doesn't mean thinking of yourself less. It doesn't mean looking down on yourself. That's condemnation. It just means looking honestly at your life. And where there are times where your words do not measure up to honoring God and they cause destruction instead of healing, you know, that's something you just need to go. You need to confess it. You need to ask God for forgiveness and repent, feel the weight of that, and then recognize He forgives us for that. He heals our hearts of that. He helps take us away from that. You just need to humble yourself in that way. Maybe that's you. Some of y'all you're in another category. You say, well, I think I need to resist the devil and I need to come close to God. Those are not mutually exclusive things. They're very closely tied together. When we start resisting the devil, it means you ask the Holy Spirit. If you follow Jesus, the Spirit's living in you. You say, Holy Spirit, tell me, where is it that the enemy is speaking to me and trying to lead me astray? And will you help me recognize that and call him out on it and draw near to God? Will you make it so that instead of words that are going to tear people down, being on my tongue, that it's your words that are going to bring me back to what it means to honor you. So you just need some of you to resist the devil and draw close to God. You need to look at your life and the seven days and the 168 hours coming ahead of us this week. And you need to just think about the fact, all right, when that comes down to it, I'm going to be at work 40 of those. I'm going to sleep 56 of those. How am I going to steward the rest of that time? Is God going to get my best? Am I going to set aside time to just sit with Him, waste time with Him sometimes, sometimes have really intentional time with Him to just read and soak in His Word, just to pray, maybe to call up a friend and get someone in on that action with you so you're not alone, because that's always a good thing. But you need to really draw close to God, because that's how you're going to resist the devil. That's how 
your tongue's going to take you to a place where you're helping bring heaven on earth, not bringing hell. And some of y'all are in a spot where the idea of humbling yourself, it's there, but it's maybe bigger than just recognizing wrongs that you did. Some of you, some of us, I would maybe say, we need to humble ourselves and think of ourselves less and think of God more because we need to look and say, wow, if I'm created in God's image and God is this God who's so loving and has this great purpose, then you know what? I need to recognize I have value because of that. I am loved because of that. There's a famous movie quote. I'm spacing on the movie. I think Paul Rudd said it, but he made this comment. He said, we accept the love that we think we deserve. All of us tend to accept the love we think we deserve. And some of y'all are so stuck in a spot where you think you're undeserving of it that you're just not receiving God's grace and His love and His mercy. And you need to. And so humbling yourself means saying, hey, my perspective is off, but it can be better. My perspective can be back in the right place if I let God do some heavy lifting with my heart. And some of y'all need to do that. You need to surrender your heart to God, and it needs to be today. I'm going to tell you a story uh, as the worship team is coming up and we get ready to land this plane about a guy, I'll, I'll just call him Carl. He was an older gentleman. He was probably in his 80s at the time. And at one of the churches I served, this guy was there. He's part of the church, and he was kind of a curmudgeon of a guy. I guess that'd be the old school word for it. Just a difficult individual, uh, always had an opinion, always thought that he was right and everybody else was wrong, wasn't particularly kind, didn't listen. Uh, when, that, when he was coming, a lot of times people would kind of go the other way. And one day I'm at the church and I see Carl come into the office and he's making his way to have a meeting with the pastor. I thought, oh boy, that's going to be something. So 45 minutes or an hour later, I'd seen Carl sitting with the pastor and Carl gets up and he leaves and I saw the pastor in there. I said, hey, how'd, how'd it go meeting with Carl? And he looked at me and he said, you know, Mike, I'm not sure, but I think Carl might have just met Jesus. And I said, really? That is not what I expected. He said, yeah. He goes, I mean, time's going to tell. We're going to just have to watch the fruit of his life, but let's just see. I think he just met Jesus. And let me tell you, Carl was something to watch going forward. It was very clear that that untamed tongue that he was wagging all the time and causing fires and destruction. All oh, the heart problem underneath that, God had done something about it. God had transformed his heart and his mind. It was unbelievable. He became this guy who always had a smile. He laughed. He was kind. You wanted to be around him. He was intentional and would ask how you were doing. Uh, he served in the church faithfully. Whenever there was like dissension and people were arguing about things, he was a voice that said, hey, let's keep in mind we're on the same team. We're on the same mission. We're going to make it here. He was just so uplifting. And to watch that transformation, it was unbelievable that this guy with an untamed tongue and a hardened heart saw it be softened and transformed and just the healing and the good that flowed out of that. So now you have a chance to respond maybe thought about the place you're in. Do I need to humble myself, resist the devil, draw close to God? Wherever you fall, here's what you can do. Take your phone or your tablet. 
jump on that website, InsideSCC.org. There's a lot of different tabs there. Some of it could be taking a next step to have a conversation with the pastor. Some of y'all say, I don't follow Jesus. My heart's not surrendered. I want to do that now. You can do it right there. Uh, we say all the time that we offer our time, our talents, and our treasures. Uh, you know, and so maybe some of y'all, you're like, wow, I have all this time. And as soon as this lockdown lifts... I really want to be serving in the church. I need to know how I'm gifted and where's there a need? Where do I fit? You can click and talk about that um, with your time and your talents. But you can also give back your treasures. You know, God, maybe you're saying, he's given me so much and I need to give back my tithe and offering because I really believe in what he's doing through this church. And so you can click and you can just donate financially right there on the site. And we just love to pray for you. If you have a prayer request, you can put that on there too. But wherever you are, I just would challenge you, yes, an untamed tongue, it's a heart problem, but it doesn't have to stay a heart problem. A healed heart can take your words and make them a force for good in the world. And Holy Spirit, we pray that that will be our reality going forth from here today, that we will be changed different people. And Jesus, as we lift this song up to you, this final song, I pray it'll be a chance for us to use our words to honor you. I pray that um, you will just receive this as an offering from us just because we're your kids and we're so thankful you're our dad. In your name we pray together. Amen.